we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Hello and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood, uncensored, unhinged and unapologetic motherhood chats around the highs, the lows, the struggles, everything really. This week I am talking to Mark Wilcock and Mark shares his journey his very sad journey of becoming both mother and father overnight after his wife Catherine suddenly passed away, leaving him with his eight-month-old daughter. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Fifty Shades of Motherhood. Today we have a really special guest on, Mark Wilcock, who is a dad blogger and we want to recognise that motherhood comes in all different shapes and sizes and sometimes being a mum is also being a dad and we want to recognise that. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on here. Not a problem, I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to speaking to you. So <laughs> so tell us a bit about you to begin with, Mark. A little bit about me. Um, well, where do I begin? Um, I guess my opening line for me would be something like, um, life doesn't always go to plan. Um, and if it would, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you, Carla. But, um, but yeah, I'm kind of here today just to kind of just talk about how my experience has uh, affected me and how it's changed the way I parent and the things I do with my family now. No, I'm really looking forward to having you on. Um, obviously, your your journey. I mean, I found Mark on Facebook um, and I knew that I wanted to speak to someone like you, Mark. But then when I read your blogs and stuff, honestly, I was just 
blown away and I thought I need to speak to this guy so so that's why I reached out to you because um of, of your whole journey and all of you listening you'll understand as as we get going on on this mm. um okay. but um Mark obviously you're, you're on this podcast because you're a parent as well so yeah. tell us a bit about your parenting journey then yeah so um <clears throat> a parenting journey well before I became a parent basically um I met I met my wife Catherine back in 2011 through uh, we we worked in the same um, office shall we say and oh. uh, we, we kind of just got together. <clears throat> um, How old were you, Mark? Um, I was 31. Yeah, yeah. So you were ready to settle down. Oh, dad, I was a late, I was a bit of a late bloomer, shall we say? Yeah, <laughs> um, I just hadn't met the right one basically for a long time, and obviously Catherine came along and. Uh, we got together and as the years went on by 2015 we were married um did you get engaged quite quick or was it um no it was about a year before it was 2014 we got married so um we kind of didn't want it to be a long engagement so 12 months later we we were uh, we were jetting off to get married abroad oh where did you go abroad yeah we got married in hawaii (gasps) (laughs) no way oh my god i'd love to go there i'd love to go there so so when after you've got married Mark um did mm. you and Catherine decide that you wanted children straight away or did you want to wait a while how how did that work I think we kind of talked about it after the wedding and then we just tried we didn't we didn't put any pressure on ourselves we just sort yeah. of if it happens it happens yeah and then about three months after it happened so um so about a year late, later, um, little Margot was born in 2016. Oh my God, that's lovely. So was it a normal kind of pregnancy? Everything went to plan? Yeah, everything went fine. You know, um, no problems. Margot's birth and everything else after was fine. Yeah, she, she's, she, was, uh, she was a good, good baby, should we say. Very quiet. Oh, she, I know that's what <laughs> you want, quiet, actually. Yeah. That's, that's handy. Yeah, obviously, the reason, obviously, we want to talk to you as well today is obviously about your journey so hopefully we'll be able to help other parents or Mm. other people that have been through similar with their story as well so so at 37 you actually sadly I don't don't know how I'm going to hold this episode together but you sadly lost your wife um, Catherine and can you can you tell us a bit about what actually happened yeah sure um so so basically um I, I always kind of describe it when people start listening to what I'm going to say is kind of like the unthinkable you kind of think this wouldn't happen to you but obviously there's people out there that it does uh, so we literally it was just one day in a, it was a May bank holiday um in 2017 and we just literally just went out for a walk um on the on the Monday bank holiday as a family of three and obviously little did I know that the next time I'd probably come home it'd be just the two of us me and my daughter so we went for a walk and my daughter um Sorry, Catherine um, started saying that she wasn't feeling too good. Um, she was having like dizzy spells and things like that. And uh, she obviously needed to sit down. So uh, as we were going for this walk on this nice hot summer's day, um, we found this sort of pub which was near our house. So we went in, it was pretty quiet. And um, just sort of, she just sort of sat down and uh, I left Margot with her with a pram and she was just happy, sat there. I went to go and get her like a glass of water and by the time I got back she she she'd had a cardiac arrest and her heart had just stopped and um yeah she was just lifeless so uh-huh. obviously you know the panic sets in and things like that so there was, there was a there was a lot of you know getting people to help luckily enough there was an off-duty nurse there who was helping with CPR and things like that they're waiting for the paramedics to come um 
Yeah, there was there was, a, there was CPR for a long time, so... Yeah, you know, I imagine it's that, just all a blur, like, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, when there's that lack of oxygen to the brain, you, you, you kind of, even at that point in time, you kind of know it's it's not good, oh, even if God. they manage to get a heartbeat back and things like that. So, so yeah, so that was it, really. That was the sort of the start of the physical and mental pain, really. Oh, that's uh, from that so day. sad. Honestly, it just breaks my heart. I think, um, especially, like, the fact you were just going out for a walk, just just the three of you like a nice family mm. walk I mean it could happen to anyone at any day and yeah. I think it's important for people to remember that I mean um, how old is your was your little girl at the time uh, she was eight months at that oh time. my god she was only a little baby oh god um, which it's kind of it's kind of a bit strange when I think about that because um even though it was like over three years ago I kind of think well I'm kind of, it sounds, it sounds really bad, but I'm glad she was so young when it happened yeah. because her being there, I didn't want to, you know, she could have no. been a four or five year old and had this, that would have been the last memory of, of, uh, you know, what of her mother sort of thing. So, oh, God. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was difficult. Um, did they take her to hospital then and try and help her there or did it end? Yeah, so they basically, they basically, uh, in a nutshell, they managed to, to get her heart going very faintly and then they caught so they had to they had to put the body under in, in, in a juice coma basically mm. um and then it she was in that for about four days and it's a bit there was a lot of specialists heart and chest specialists around cardiologists and so on and they used to take you into this room i mean a, a lot of people who may have lost their loved ones to, to things like cancer and other diseases and stuff will probably understand when i say this they have this room on on wards i like to call it the doom room because whenever oh. you go in it there's never any good news it's always bad news mm. so we used to go into this room and they used to give you updates and basically there was like as i was saying about the lack of oxygen to the brain you kind of start getting into the brain damage and stem damage and things like that where it's like point of no return so mm. um but for me when she had that cardiac arrest that that was the point you know, when she she died for me sort of yeah. thing because she was literally just a shell of a of a former self when she was in a induced coma oh, yeah it must have been I mean god I just can't even the shock I, I just can't even comprehend like how hmm. that must have been because like it's just one minute they're there and you're talking and having yeah, a nice yeah. time and the next that happens it's, it's, it's kind of like that because you're in the reality of the way your world is and then all of a sudden it's the way it is now and it's you're not used to it there was no warning there's no you know you, you've had no chance to say goodbye you know um you start thinking oh I mean, my daughter didn't even know her you know and you got all these other things yeah. going through your head it's it's really hard I mean you, you wouldn't even you know, think to talk to her about something like that either because like you're both so young I mean how old was yeah. Catherine when <clears> this happened uh, she was 35 oh my died. god so yeah oh. she was only young I'm so sorry about that. It really, really upsets me when I listen to you talking about it. I just, it's it's very, very sad. So, so obviously from there, you had to kind of phone your parents, her parents, and, and let them know yeah. what had happened and she was in hospital and stuff. I mean, yeah. how did you cope with your little girl then, then? Did she just have to go to one of your parents and you had to be at the hospital at all times? Yeah, I kind of I kind of only saw her, saw her briefly each day um, during that week, one of those four or five days. Um, and obviously, I had to kind of get myself together. Um, it's really, really weird. 
I was, I was in absolute shock, you know. Um, oh God, I can't even but... imagine it, Mark. When you say it, I just—it's something that always, something that I think happens to other people, and it yeah, could, yeah. and like you're living proof that actually, no, you've probably maybe thought that before as well, and yeah. it's just, um, oh God, it's it's awful. Um, so so obviously, after a couple of days, obviously, then then did the doctors make the decision to turn off any support or what happened? Yeah, we, we had, um, there, there was, there was a little bit of good news that came out of it. Um, there was, um, we had, we had a, a, a donor nurse came in, started having oh. a conversation about would I consider offering, you know, organs, healthy organs to be donors and things. And I was a bit like, Oh, I don't know. Oh, and, yeah. and then, uh, then she found out that Catherine was already a donor. So she, She'd uh, already listed what organs she wanted to give oh, and all that. So she'd actually made that decision for me, which was good. Lo and behold, as months went on, you, you do actually sort of get a letter which describes not who the organs went to, but what, what and who. Uh, so if it was, a, you know, a, an older gentleman or a baby or a child, oh, it kind of tells you so. But they managed to split a, a liver um, into two. So it went to two people. It went to a, a woman who was the same age as her, at the time he needed it and it went to a, a small baby as well he needed a liver transplant oh so. do you know that just sent it, shivers uh, down me like yeah. how amazing is that she is like you know. saved two people's lives yeah. uh, so there was other things as well there was other organ um you know pancreas and that went to oh uh, an older gentleman and things like that so there was this big act of kindness out of it which is typical Catherine you know um oh. so what so was I she like Catherine um she was a stick of dynamite she was um she was just fun to be around she wasn't nasty always wanted to avoid confrontation very sort of um inclusive of everyone um yeah she was she was just a really really nice person i mean you know i couldn't do her justice with words if if, if you know um she had, she, had a, she had a lot of friends. I always judge people by the friends, the people they have around them. And she used to have a lot of nice friends, you know, around her. And I kind yeah. of thought, you know, nice people attract nice people, you know, that sort that, of stuff. Do you know what? I mm. always say that. Um, yeah. It's funny, actually, because um, people say, don't they, you are who your friends are a lot of the mm. time. But, um, yeah. oh, that that's amazing mm. that she did that. So, so um with the, with the donors, then you didn't have to make that decision. Because I imagine that is quite a horrible kind of situation to be put in if if they were asking if they could give away parts of a body and you don't know what her wishes were so that's amazing that she did yeah, that yeah there was there was a few things that were on the list that I mean anyone who's probably had to go through that in terms of donor and a partner or loved ones thing one of the things that's on the form now which I kind of laugh about now was you know if if it's kind of in the small print if uh, there's part part of like eyes and things like that can they go to be to a lab for research basically all this and I had this vision in my, my head of like Catherine's eyes being opened up in a, in a lab somewhere by some trainee doctor oh. I'm like no 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 oh. like you know, you're in, that, you're in that that shock and that fear and you're like you're not having her eyes you know and things like that so yeah obviously there is a lot of a good outcome from research obviously of course it's a bad thing you know of course but I think when they're yours and like you know you yeah. love them so much you just don't want to think of anyone else having any of the yeah. parts at that time but mm. in the end like obviously that that's been an amazing thing that she's been able to do and did you ever yeah. get to the bottom of what caused um this mark what? yeah the the um so uh basically a heart had to go to uh to a specialist down in london uh where they do some tests on it and um 
but the coroners can't put a cause of death until they've had this sort of you know autopsy of, of the heart and they so they, they look for the vital signs of you know if there are any sort of medication that could have caused it any sort of defects in the heart and stuff like that and then um, yeah it, it came down to it being something called SADS which is S-A-D-S um which is sudden arrhythmic death syndrome it's where the heart um so the way the way your heart sort of works and it's uh, electrons pumping each side at a time the blood around the body and um, when they fire at the same time together they sort of cancel each other out oh, um the electrons hit each other and it, i'm not probably i'm not a doctor i'm only saying what no, i've what you've abbreviated from from the papers yeah. you know and it's caused the heart to, to stop and obviously cardiac arrest come in but there was um there are sort of signs that that people have this from a younger age and when I spoke to a few specialists, they asked me a few questions, you know, had, had Catherine ever fainted or done that? And before she met me, she said she had a few episodes where she fell down the stairs where she fainted one day and she used to be on these headache tablets. So she thought it was the side effects of these tablets she was on and she left it at that. But when I was chatting to some specialists, they were like, no, that is a big sign that it was a heart that made her do that. So um, it kind of affects people quite young between, I think it's like 13 up to like 35, 36. Oh. And it's like oh. 12 a week uh, die from it in the UK. Oh my God, that is that is heartbreaking because you just don't hear about these really uh, often. Um, and it's important to raise awareness. And, and would Definitely. they have been able to pick that up if Catherine had gone to the doctors or anything? Yeah, when, when, the, when the heart goes into uh, an adult size, you know, sort of around puberty age for a, for a boy or a girl, mm. They're able. They can't really check it when it's a. It's not fully developed. It's not a, f- a fully grown heart. Um, it has to be an adult size. And yeah, you can go in and have ECGs and echo scans and things like that on the heart to sort of uh, just to make sure it's functioning, pumping the rhythms correct. There's all sorts of things to check on. Oh, um, gosh. But it's hereditary as well. This sort of things. So obviously, I've got <laughs> got to go through yeah. all these sort of checks. But you know, at least we'll be on the ball with it. Well, uh, that's that's it. It is. It's just um, kind of using it and, and raising awareness about this thing. Yeah. So if anyone thinks, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they think, you know, they could have any symptoms or anything, it's worth speaking to the doctor mm-hmm. around that. So, so after, obviously... Catherine passed away um how how was your life affected were your finances affected or was you obviously your life massively you've just become oh, yeah, a, a, yeah. you've become a dad oh, and a mum overnight um, it was, it's weird because at the beginning um I kind of went into autopilot from the shock and everything else and I became like really really busy in the day um and overnight I came busy by being more dependent on drinking alcohol and stuff just to kind of like so in the day I wanted to fill my days with being busy and I wanted at night just to drink. So I didn't have to yeah. feel like the full force of grief sort of thing. And I had all these questions floating around my head, you know, like, why me? Why her? You know, what do I do next? How do I look after my baby? How do I look after myself? You know, my own mental health, for example, and things like that. And, you know, me and Catherine, we were like a great team when, when she was alive. And we kind of had this, we kind of shared the same sort of parenting philosophy. Yeah. We kind of agreed on everything that we kind of, you know, read on topics and stuff. And, Obviously, when she died um, and I became a single parent, my sort of confidence took like a massive nosedive and I started second-guessing everything that I was doing for my child and I was dead sceptical skeptical about the voice in my head. And um, uh, I bet I, you're you know, like questioning everything that you do. Yeah, like, yeah. Would you have done it this way? Am I doing it exactly. right? I mean, it, I mean, it's even hard for mums. Obviously, this is right. This yeah. podcast 
podcast was created because mums struggle all the time and a lot of people can forget about the dads and you know I mean my husband he plays uh, as much as a part in George's upbringing as Mm. I do um, and it is very much equal um, really it's very much co-parenting but if either of us something happened to either of us I can imagine like all of a sudden that's all on you and it's the yeah. and you just get everything I bet you get dad gill I bet you get like you just feel am I doing everything right am I doing oh yeah um, do you know what I always say people say oh you're doing a great job and all this but I always say like and I'll be honest this is just my own personal opinion but for me like single parenting absolutely sucks oh, yeah. <laughs> like take responsibility 24 7 you know without any breaks and obviously with me trying to grieve and mental issues going on it, it was oh. a really bad time and you know, I had to deal with like nighttime, I had teething, feeding, moving to solids, walking, talking, you know, all by myself. And I just didn't really get much sleep at night because of no. everything that was, you know, the nighttime was my time and I, to get oh, my thoughts in order. I bet um, that was even worse because like you're always on the go constantly. Yeah. So you never actually have time to think, how do I actually feel about this? I mean, was Catherine still, was she still on maternity leave then at this point then? Was she just about to go back or was she just off? Was yeah, she... she was still off. She she was due to go back soon, oh. but obviously she she'd accrued quite a lot of leave, so she was going to go back on like a part time basis for a few more months. Oh god! Um, but yeah, so did you have to? Did you have to kind of leave work then, or how did you manage the childcare and day to day, day to day? getting through life I mean I struggle as it is I've got blooming uh childcare I mean we have preschool and I've got Danny and I struggle day to day so God knows how you how you must have got through this this day yeah I did did struggle I mean work were really good they gave they gave me six months off work on full pay which was like unheard of in a lot of places um obviously I, I I didn't actually start grieving till the six month phase at time. So, so I ended up going back to work just as I, as I just discovered how to grieve. So I was sat, you know, really sat in my car, crying my eyes out every morning before I even went into the office. And, um, oh. but I, I had, I had a house to pay. I had nursery fees, you know, on was, one wage now yeah, as well. On one wage, and I had to come home, and then I had to, I had this plan on like it was like Tuesday to Thursday it was just housework every night preparing foods freezing it you know making sure the shopping was done and uh cleaning clothes I, I don't know I just did everything I I just made it work and plus I wanted to do it because it kept me busy and it stopped me thinking yeah. about uh, yeah. you know all the grief and that which is probably not the right thing I shouldn't have done that I bet I bet I mean I bet it's hard because like friends and stuff I mean um god mm. my, my situation is no comparison to you but like I, I lost my twins quite a few uh, months ago oh. and that was during pregnancy and um but I mean people just don't know what to say and yeah. sometimes it's a case of like oh can I do anything and of course you've been a proud man as you are and a proud dad you'd be like mm. no no don't I'm fine and then yeah. it's just you secretly you do you probably sometimes don't even realize probably that you actually need help yeah you know? yeah um, sometimes sometimes well, that's one of the things but when you're grieving like people always say to you, you know um I always found people come to me and go let me know if you need anything and I'd be like oh thanks you just got out of that one you know at the time with my to-do list is as busy as possible you want me to think of something that you can do for me I so I used to say to them you know and this, you'll probably laugh at this. I used to say to him, come round and clean my bathroom for me. And people would go, oh, are you joking? I'd be like, no, I'm serious. I want you to come round and clean my bathroom because I've got a house to run. You know, uh, my, my back garden's looking like Jurassic Park. You need to get <laughs> back 
you know, there's lo- and, and you know what? People really started thanking me. They started saying, "Oh, I feel like I've helped you." And I'm like, "You have," They're like because yeah. there's nothing I can say or do to you know to make it better for you. And I was like, "Yeah, but you can do things for me." Yeah. You know, instead of bringing a toy round for Margo or or some flowers for me front room to go with the other fifty pairs, come round and, and make me a lasagna that will do me for three nights of the week. Oh. You know, or these you know these little things and people started doing it and it really helped. And I say to people now, these are things you should do. You know, good for you to, for saying that because that was one thing um, for me. Um, my one of my best friends, she actually left meals for the full week outside. Mm. Like, mm. and I was like, I didn't ask for them or anything, and it was just yeah. like it honestly it made me cry because I was just like yeah. this is just amazing I wouldn't have eaten uh, yeah. Danny and he wouldn't have eaten George and Danny had probably ended up on McDonald's all week or whatever and it, yeah, it really yeah. does make a big difference so so with obviously with all that then with did you find that your finances I mean did you have life insurance or anything like that in place no um we were really on well <laughs> It's one of those things, isn't it? Um, it's not going to happen to me again. You know, um, we don't need life insurance because we're in our 30s. We're indestructible. You know, it's got that. Me- we have that mentality. I mean, obviously, my whole perspective on the whole thing's changed now. I have life insurance. I have a will, things like that. But at the time when Catherine died, we didn't have anything. Um, she didn't have. She, well, the only one thing she did have was a really good pension, which kind of helped with a lot of the bills. Does that? But, oh, does that kick in if if someone passes away? um does that does do you get help with that then yeah well oh, she God. with ours we had we had a government scheme one because we obviously we worked in a university oh yeah so um it had survivors benefits as well for your spouse and for your, for your child for any mm. dependent children so there was there was um ongoing finance of that which has really helped you know, oh, thank things, God. That, you know um but in terms of you know she didn't have a will so i had to i had to fight for probate uh <sighs> On everything um i know and you, when you when insurance. you're married you do think like naturally oh yeah well if something happens to me danny yeah. just gets everything or vice versa but it is a bit yeah. more complicated because obviously you're not that you want to think about this or hopefully you'll never you know it'll never come up but then yeah. when you're left on your own i imagine then you'll have to think about well what happens to my little girl if something happens to me now and yeah, it's all yeah. those little things oh and, yeah yeah oh it's just put everything in place but I mean, yeah, it's it's one of them. I I have conversations with other um, people who ask me questions similar to that, and I always say to them, you know, do you insure your car, and they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, do, you, do you insure yourself when you go on holiday? They go, yeah, 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 yeah. And I go, do you insure your phone? They go, yeah, 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 yeah. I go, what about insuring yourself? And they're like, uh, 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 well, I, I might do it when I'm a bit older. And I'm like, no, 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 you need to do it now because it's cheaper now. It's like, what is it, fifteen, twenty pounds or something a month? Oh. Yeah, you know, you probably spend that in the pub on a Friday oh, night. Where, oh yeah, or a pizza. Um, you know, exactly. you know. So I start, I started calling it uh, love insurance is, is the word I like to use it now rather than life insurance. You should rebrand it. You know, I like that. Um, I I totally agree. And it's not about you; it's about the people that mm. you leave. But I know as a partnership, it's quite difficult because you have to kind of, you know, agree both of you. Like, oh, it is something that we need to do and yeah. stuff like that. But but. Um, you know, thankfully, you you were in a position that you were able to kind of yeah. you were able to keep your house and stuff like that. I'm guessing then. And, and yeah, we, we were, another thing, we we didn't have anything protection on the house, so the mortgage just went straight over to me, and I was like, no. Oh. But um, but you know, you, you just got to do it, and yeah, you know, you don't have a you don't have a choice. And your employer sounds like absolutely amazing. Oh, they were unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly think I probably couldn't have got to where I am now without the help that they've done especially you know 
um, professionally in work as well, you know, helping me with workloads and, you know, my own mental health and things like that. Like they've been really, really good. And, you know, there's not a lot of employers out there like that from, from what yeah. I've heard and what I've read. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things I, I kind of talk about is, uh, I think it's really interesting that people, people don't really talk about death a lot with the, with the yeah. spouses and what their wishes are for the child and things like that. Cause there's a lot of stuff that I didn't have from Catherine. So I was kind of pioneering it myself, you know, what, what should I do for Margot when she's, this age or what school should I put her to should I get a christened we didn't have these conversations so yeah. um and another thing I would say to people now if you get a will especially in this day and age if you use a cloud backup system for your photos share the password in your will yeah because because oh, you've yeah. got all these photos of your child and your baby and everything locked away and you can't get into them so lucky enough I managed to get Margot's but I always say to people don't forget the password because only you know it. If you die, it goes with you. Oh so it's, God! You know, yeah, of course. No, that's young moms really, and dads now. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, mm. uh, Mark, to make. Actually, yeah, mm. of course. I think and you can it, put it. You can put it in your will as well. That's, uh, do you know um, what? That's something I'd never think to put in. But you're 100 percent mm. right. I mean, all these memories and stuff like that. You want them to be able to have access to. You know, we've yeah. all got our baby pictures from when we're kids, and you know, stuff like that. And now all of us are a bit more online, so it is really, really important. Important. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's that's something that's really important to mention. Um, so Mark, with your yeah. after Catherine passed away and obviously had all this to deal with, another obviously issue that I'm really passionate with. I suffered myself with postnatal depression, but any type yeah. of mental health and stuff. Obviously, you touch on that when you when you said your mental health. Can you tell us a bit more about how you felt and how how you managed to get support or if you did, etc. Yeah, um, well, I didn't. I didn't really get support straight away. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of didn't know where to turn um, for help, to be honest. And um, it's kind of like a bit, you know, when and a man's driving around in a car. I don't know if I touched on this before, but you know, he he gets lost and he doesn't want to ask for directions because he's a bit too proud. He wants to kind of find his own way. I don't know yeah. if you've ever experienced that with a partner, with especially a male partner. It's a bit of a male sort of thing to go. I was a bit like that uh, as a sort of analogy, but you know, and everyone around me who was that close didn't really know, you know, how I was supposed to grieve, let alone you know help me. So for me to kind of find support, I I kind of had to do a lot of research myself. Um, and the, the the really different difficult side of it was um, the, the only way of explaining it is when yeah let's put it in this terms when you have a baby mm. yeah you have lots of scans don't you You have lots of yeah. checkups people um you know you go to the doctors you see your midwife you get your you know antenatal classes and all this sort of stuff and then the baby's born and then you go to more checkups you get you get a health visitor come in to check your child make sure you're okay you get all this sort of stuff that, now that's life coming into the world yeah 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 so when life goes out, as soon as I walked out of the hospital, that was it. Like, you know, no one came to check up on me. No one came to check up on my daughter. I ended up ringing up the health visitor saying, you know, what's going on? I've got this red book here. You know, what do I do with it? When are you coming down? And um, so you, you know you what? Kinda, that yeah. is such a good way to put that. I mean, I've never, ever thought of it like that. And yeah. God, so, like. So I, ended up, I ended up going to my GP, asking him for help and, he was just giving me leaflets. <laughs> I was oh, like, I was like, oh, I need, take I need these to tablets. Someone. 
Yeah, you know? yeah. So that that was kind of like my picture of like life coming in, life going out, and what what the sort of help was. So what I started doing, I started like as I was going through all these like mental episodes, I started like writing down how I was feeling and stuff like that. And that's kind of like where my, my blog started coming from because I started writing down um, all these sort of mental episodes on how I was feeling. And I was kind of like capturing like my raw grief at the time. Um, and the only, the only way I can kind of explain that is I, I wanted to write these sort of notes down of, of what I'm feeling because I knew over time they'd be a little bit diluted if I wrote them in retrospect, you know, further down. Yeah. Um, I probably feel a little bit different. I, I even do now to what I did a few years ago. Um, yeah. I guess you can kind of, you can probably compare it to labour. You know, yeah, if a woman's in, in labour, if, if you ask them to write down every inch of pain that they, they ever had to give birth, they probably never have a child again. But now they'll probably go, oh, yeah, it was fine. You know, I mean, I, I'm not one to say that. I've never experienced it, but, you know. Well, that's they have more, don't they, a lot of the time. Exactly. So it exactly. must be. It's always worth it. Yeah, yeah. So I did that and obviously... I wanted to sort of, they sort of morphed into posts and I, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get this sort of, all my sort of experience out there. And Good for you. It kind of helped me deal with like the stages of grief because I always found like I articulate myself better in detail when I'm, when I'm writing stuff and yeah. talking was hard for me at the time. And you know, obviously conversation with people about death or grief, it's really hard for people to talk to you, especially if it's oh. someone else's grief rather than your own. Yeah. And I found I was having these same conversations with people all the time. You know, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And all this. And I'm like, oh, I've just talked to someone about this. I don't have to do it again. So I started putting it online. Yeah. Yeah, I started putting it online. That's and people a good start, idea. People start ringing me. And then because sometimes I'd written something like four or five months ago and then I'd post it, you know, I'd get people who live far away ringing me up going, hey, Mark, Mark, are you okay? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Why? I've just read your blog post. I'm like, yeah, that was five months ago. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. No, let's go. Yeah, no, I know exactly. I mean, I imagine with the grief, you never fully move on. But no. I imagine that it's a case of you take, I mean, with yours, <laughs> especially, I mean, it's very different. I think women are very much now, I feel, they're in touch with the mental health and speaking out, et cetera. But I think yeah. men are starting to more and more, which is amazing. And like when you mentioned your mental health and stuff, I think it's so good that you did that because hopefully someone will find that blog and be able to read it. Um, yeah. You know, someone someone in a similar situation and stuff. I mean, did you did you find anyone similar in a similar situation? I mean, how do you find these people? Um, but I, I, I actually got, as I started writing the blog post, it was only about three or four months after I started getting people interested and started emailing me and commenting and things like that. Um, see, all I ever wanted to do at the beginning was to speak to another man in my position, you know, and just sort of say to me, like, you know, it's going to be all right. You know, this is what I did. And, you know, that's what all I wanted at the But I ended up finding, like, people from all walks of life. Um, I had, I had a... Um, older men who have been in my position saying oh yeah you know this is what to expect this is how you might feel in the future I had school teachers who were supporting kids who were bereaved who had lost a parent in their class asking me questions I had the best one I that I ever have found there was two young girls they must have been in their 20s who contacted me and said they lost their mum when they were babies and this is what they went through oh. how they felt and they, they and one of them was really thankful that they read my blog because they said that their dad didn't ever open up to them about the loss of the mother. So it was nice to read another man's perspective to sort of get an inkling. So it was all sorts of different walks of life. Because I suppose I was thinking then when I asked you that, I thought mm. of other dads in the same position, but actually 
for another mum in the same position knowing yeah, someone else is yeah. going but also you know as a child you know reading yeah. about that I yeah god it must have helped so many people yeah so I, I ended up getting a lot of advice off other people it wasn't just me giving out I was getting loads back and I ended up um, contacting one guy who lived quite close to me and still keep in touch with now. He's sort of in the same boat as me. Um, and I also started writing, the, I wanted the blog to be like a narrative for my daughter as well. That's why I wanted to keep it as it was and let her sort of use that when she's older. It might help her explain a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time. Um, but in terms of finding other people as well, um, I kind of I started finding a bit more after 12 months about a, a charity support company called Widowed and Young. Oh, yeah. Um, I joined them, and obviously, um, the clues in the name, what, what they stand yeah, for. Yeah, I was going to say, course. oh, yeah. What's it yeah, about? We, we, they catered for everything that I needed as well. How did you find them, Mark? Because I imagine it's quite difficult to find groups and stuff that. Help. Yeah, you, you, you can put Young Widower in and things like that on Google. That's, that's what I was doing at the time. And okay. I was getting all these different sort of charities coming up and. Um, I was looking at ones for Child Bereavement as well, looking at like Winston's Wish and Child Bereavement UK and a few of the others. But uh, Widowed and Young kept popping up all the time and, and uh, I started reading up what they were about and stuff. And I wasn't quite ready to to go to that level of talking to strangers at that point. Yeah. But when I got to the 12-month point, sorry, I, um, yeah, I just joined and um, I ended up finding like, they, had, they had all sorts of support, like sort of, open forums on, on the website but, but i found the social media element better you could join their facebook groups their private lockdown facebook groups and you can there's all different categories you can go into regional categories so you can go into the northwest and you can even narrow it down to your county so if you wanted like lancashire or merseyside oh. or greater manchester and stuff like that and you, you end up finding people you know pretty close to you and, and they usually have uh, sort of like area managers but like area network leaders sort of thing who uh volunteers who will set up um you know peer-to-peer -peer support whether it's a night out at the pub or whether it's a you know a picnic in, in a in a park or somewhere like that. there's all sorts of stuff going on and you know they have an AGM event and stuff so there's loads of opportunities to to sort of meet with other people you know young with children or whatever their scenario is that's great because I suppose everyone's in a different stage of their grief and some people might not want to, some people might be reading and yeah. not ready to reach out to people, but just to know that I imagine that you're not alone and other people go yeah. through this um, is, is a massive thing. I mean, how were your family and friends like? I mean, before when I, I'd spoken to you, you mentioned like at work and stuff, it, did you find it quite difficult um, kind of, been you at work and stuff or you know how did your personality and stuff change after all um, I, I was I, I'm a bit of an open book as you can probably yeah, tell yeah yeah so, so people people started like avoiding me in work like oh. I was walking down a corridor and people would like oh I've just got to, like I could tell they were pretending I've just got to go in this office or go in and I'd go oh yeah oh, oh, come here come here come here like come and talk to me and they were like oh, blah, blah, blah. they didn't know what to say oh. and I'd be like it's okay it's okay like you can talk to me I'm still Mark you know and then um people would say how are you and I'd be like I'm still here you know I, I try and make it a bit lighter for them um of course mental health they don't know what's going on inside my head I've got this big deflector shield going up with a personality and being happy and so for them, they probably just thought, oh, he's all right, he's, he's managing. Okay. But, um, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on you know, in my head. And 
I think that's mm -hmm. there. I mean, I'm I'm very much um, like you are, Mark, and I like um, like uh, quite a few of my friends are like, and people mm. almost like you can put on this persona that everything's absolutely fine, yeah. and no one really knows otherwise. So then, mm -hmm. like, then your friends like, oh, they're okay, and then they yeah. leave them to it, and then behind closed doors, you know, it's a really different story. So I think it's you know so important to speak about that as well so no no that's that's amazing it, so it, it was a little for me it was a little bit like um if anyone's watched ricky gervais in afterlife oh my god how, i how freaking you, love that program how you perceive male grief you know is exactly how ricky gervais sort of acts that character out where oh. he stores his emotions and he releases out you know his hatred on the public and he, he goes home and he suffers in isolation and the only thing that's keeping him alive is the dog you know, oh. and that that was kind of like me. I was like going home, and my dog was my daughter. You know, it was oh. like the, the only thing that was keeping me on track was 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 keeping her. You know, she needed me more than she ever needed me in her life. You know, so but oh. that it's weird. Me, meant you know how how men sort of perceive grief and things like that. It's it's all this like be strong and don't cry and don't show weakness and all this like man up. You know, where. It, it's. I always think it's. It's how you kind of molded from a young age, you know, from your parents and yeah. things like that. Because I always remember, you know, my my dad didn't really show that much emotion to us. Um, you know, we didn't talk about grief or loss or anything like that. Um, I don't think any one of our age groups, dads, really. I don't know any of my mm -hmm. friends or anything. Any one of our dads that ever are quite quite that show much emotion really I yeah. can't think of anyone and I think it's probably the way they were brought up as well and I think you know we've yeah. got a time now to to make a bit of a difference and change that um you don't, you don't even get any you don't get any education about it in school you know you're just told that you die when in reality it's probably as natural as giving birth or having you know being born um because you know it's one thing that we've got in common with everyone that we're both we're all born and we're all going to die you know but I, I remember thinking about myself because when my daughter was around, I didn't show any emotion, even as she was growing up. But when she went to bed, I would be downstairs crying my eyes out, you know. And I thought to myself, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, I need I need to start showing her it's okay to show emotion because as she's grown up into a toddler and once she starts understanding what's happened and things like that, I didn't want I wanted to encourage her you know as a as a child I wanted her to grow up to be the child I wanted to be I wanted to show emotions um I didn't want her to like lie to me how she felt you know and go upstairs to her room and suffer in isolation sort of thing so I didn't want her to be grow up as an anxious you know unconfident child so I think it was really important as a man or for men in general to start taking that step you know that that, that was kind of like how to, I, I'll tell you where it all started from um, while I was grieving <laughs> oh my god yeah. Um, it's just come back to me now in my head. Uh, I was watching a football game uh, while I was, you know, middle of the night. Um, I think it was a Manchester derby or something. I think Manchester City won or something. Yeah. And the, the, these these fully grown men were hugging each other because the team had won and they were crying. And I was thinking yeah. to myself, what are they doing? Like, they're crying at a football match. I can't even cry in front of my daughter. It's like... Yeah, when your wife's died. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't even cry at the funeral, you know. So I had this revelation where I thought, I need to start showing my daughter it's okay to be sad, you know. Oh. So now if she sees me crying, she'll ask me and I, and I tell her why, you know, I'm, I feel sad and, and all this. And she's like, oh, sorry, Daddy, and give me a hug and all that, you know. So, um, so there's little things, you know, uh, you know, it's probably like being a softer side of being a father, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because you have to play like mum. I mean, for so long you had to play mum and dad, and it's like yeah. 
God, I imagine, I mean, I don't know about you, but when my dad used to tell me off, I used to absolutely shit myself. And when yeah. my mom used to tell me off, I'd be like, oh God, I hear it all the time, I'm not bothered kind of thing. But I imagine having like one parent constantly, like it's quite difficult for you and, and you know, them as well, because like, you know, it's hard, isn't it? If dad says no, you'd go to mum, which, you know, she yeah. didn't have that option kind of thing. Um, well, if I'm, if I'm honest, <clears throat> I reckon I was probably the worst mum in history for Margot. Um, I, I had this, this absolute male approach and everything. Like, you know, the house was like a military camp. There's routine. I don't know. I don't know kids and babies love routines, but it was everywhere, you know, and, um, I probably wasn't a great mum, but I know I was a great dad, but like, I, Kind of more recently now, now Margot's a toddler, I kind of try a bit more softer in my approach to sort of, you know, see things sort of like through her eyes and I don't shut her down when she's talking to me. And uh, she's quite a strong-willed child now and, you know, she knows what she wants and she's always wanted to be in charge of herself. And, you know, uh, so I kind of of play little games with her, sort of. I kind of get what I want, but I do it in a nice way. Oh, I I do. Oh, I know that. (laughs) You know what I've discovered during this time? Go on, go on. Like, I say to George, like oh, mummy doesn't want you watching TV now. Don't mm. watch TV for the next 10 minutes. Oh, but now I do want to watch TV. And I'm like, brilliant, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all <laughs> it's yeah. reverse psychology. But do you know, Mark, I think every parent has the same thing where no matter whether you're a mum, whether you're a dad or whatever, you're, mm. oh, I could have done that a bit better or I could have done that a bit better. But do you know yeah. what? How amazing have you done, like, with her? She's, she's, is she four now, isn't she? She's four. She's four yeah. um, the beginning of August. She's four. Like you said, she's strong-willed. She's going to school yeah. soon. And, like, you should be so proud, like, of how, how far you've come. Being yeah. a man and a dad, that's amazing um, that you've done all that. I mean, so, so, I mean, going back to where you were before, sorry, it's only, I want to help other people that are listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, yeah. In the same situation. So, if someone was listening to this and they were in the same situation, what what would your advice be to them? It's all, I mean, everyone grieves in their own way. You know, it's like, it can't just like lose someone in a couple of weeks later going, oh, I'm going to go and sort myself out. You know, give yourself time to grieve, like just sort of let it take it. Don't prolong grief because whether you prolong it, you know, with five years, 10 years, whatever, it always going to catch up to you. And if you don't let grief take you, you start suffering with anxiety anxiety is a stress like stress is a killer you know things like that um try not to turn to other things to numb the pain don't medicate yourself with alcohol uh try and seek help mentally or even it's just talking to people using like so the charity way if you just want to talk to people who are in the same boat as you um and kind of reach out as well there's quite a lot of people on the internet now um Mm. even more so men more recently in the last few years who are out there actually providing information and willing to listen to other people. Well, there's lots of charities out there, though, but definitely don't, don't just suffer alone. Um, that's the hardest part when you're grieving. Like You feel like you're the only one in that position, and it's almost like you're in a, another country and you, no one speaks your language, you know? I suppose it's something that you don't think of day to day, like those kind mm. of things, but actually you're 100% right. Like, you know, mm. you're in it on your own, and, yeah. you know, it's, it must be so difficult because your family is, your fa- you want to be strong for everyone around you as well. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. like, you know, Catherine's parents, your own and your, your, your little girl and stuff like that. And it's just, 
Oh God! I just and can't... even 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 for people supporting someone who's who's lost someone, I mean, some of the stuff I mentioned before about you know you don't have to ring up and say ring me when you need me. You know, you can go around, you can be practical, you can do things for them around the house or flat wherever they live, and you you can bring meals for them and stuff. But even just checking up on them like every now and again, and even sometimes when you do check up on them, they might not want to speak to you, or they might you know not want to answer the door, but they'll know that you've been there, you know. Yeah. And maybe, maybe when you do go around, don't feel uncomfortable to talk, to talk about the person they've lost because over time, that's the only way they stay alive is when you, when you talk about them, you mm. keep them alive in your head and your heart, you know? Yeah, I think it's, it's instead mm. of, because otherwise sometimes I imagine it must feel like people are just ignoring the issue sometimes. Like, yeah. you know, like you can go from, you know, speaking to people all the time at work and then all of a sudden yeah. they're like not even speaking to you and you're like, well, do you not realize what's just happened to me kind of thing you know yeah um and yeah I imagine speaking speaking it through does make does make quite a big difference so so yeah. tell us about your little girl now then because I'd okay. love to hear about her <laughs> um well she starts school in September um she's currently just gone back to to nursery now um oh. Yeah, she's, Lucky she's you. fun. <laughs> George she's, isn't she's... at nursery at the moment. Oh, really? I, I wish he was. The nursery's been brilliant, to be honest. Um, oh. Actually, a uh, recommendation to her. They, they've done so much with her as well. You know, they, they kind of have her three days a week. And oh. I mean, uh, she gets brought, she's brought on a lot by them. She's made some good friends and stuff, but obviously try and do what we can at home and that. But um, yeah, Margot's good. She's happy. She's, she's a proper Disney kid. Um, oh. I don't know if that's my own fault because I kind of like the Disney, some of the Disney movies and stuff like that. But everything's up Disney now. Princess outfits. Um, I tried to get her into football. I started taking her to little <laughs> kickers. Went to little kickers. She was the only girl there. Um, oh. I was like 10, 10. But you know, she she held her own. She was good. And she just said to me one day, "Daddy, I don't like football. I want to go to ballet." So I was like, <laughs> Okay, let's go. So ballet morphed into street dancing and all this other stuff. So oh, that's yeah, amazing. So, yeah, does, she, really does she ask about her mum at all, or do you kind of not, make it? Do you tell her about her, or or not yet? Um, I've I, I've made the I've made the decision that I, I'm not going to open that conversation until till she understands the words like never, yeah. ever, death, and things like that. Because if I start trying to explain it now she won't understand um and I want her to know the truth I want her to tell her the what happened you know to a T I don't want to it's not like I'm going to tell her about Father Christmas and 10 years later tell her oh no it's that doesn't exist this is what do you know what I mean it's going to be as it is um so I'm waiting for her to maybe when she's five possibly coming up to six we'll have that conversation and um yeah I'm just going to be honest with her I mean I want to try and get it in as early as possible so she's got it in her mind as she grows up and it's not this I'd hate to tell her when she's 12 13 when she's going through her own changes and I go boom we are deal with this as well you know it's like I want her to have it as part of her growing up you know and and she can ask me questions I mean I've I've managed to save loads of stuff of Catherine's like bits of clothes and teddies and things that she had so all these photos they've got of them together I've kind of put the photo with the clothes and the toy at the time and wrapped it up she's got these little sort of time capsules you know so she's got these things uh, that'll be you know special to her Um, so yeah no there's little things in place Um, I feel like I've got a plan I I feel confident 
yeah. going forward. I don't, I don't feel worried. I, I'm just worried from the emotional roller coaster. Really, that's about it. Mm, no, no. I think you only. Thing is, you only know what's best, and I, I get get that. I think you don't want to kind of raise things without having a question first because she's yeah. happy. You know, like you know, it's just you will know when the time is right. I imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. so where are you now, Mark? In your in your world, are you still blogging, or are you kind of away from that a bit more now? I kind of yeah. I kind of I kind of stopped about a year ago. I kind of thought I'd written enough. I, if I was if I was writing about stuff now, I'd be writing about other people because I kind of didn't have anything else I wanted to put on the table, um, and I didn't want to just make it about me and going, oh, look at me, how, how happy I am now and all this. It was sort of, you know, because yeah. um, grief never ends really. And I, I kind of thought I've, I've been doing this for a while. It, it, it's enough. And I, I kind of decided to focus my energy on, I've been writing a book for like the last nine months. And, oh, amazing. Um, and, and that was coming close to a final draft before COVID-19 started. So I'm hoping I'm going to pick that back up. Um, I actually left. <laughs> I actually have my book on a hard drive. I've left my hard drive in a bag in work, and obviously oh, not having to no. get into work. So that's my excuse at the minute, and it's it's a true one as well. <laughs> but um, at this moment in time, yeah, um, yeah, I've been doing that. Obviously, Margot and I are obviously laughing more than we've cried over the last few years, and um, yeah, just I'm just living a, an interesting life now, kind of moving um. forward. Yeah, yeah, and and how old are you now, Mark? Sorry, shouldn't ask just a man his age. Just, you know, you can. Um, <laughs> it's, I've just turned forty this year, January. So, right. so the book is that all about um, your story then, or what? Yeah, about? Um, kind of, I've kind of it's kind of a lot of what I've been talking about now. It's just just a bit of a little bit of philosophy on on loss, love, and hope. Sort of. Um, I can't. I don't know. Grief so personal. Pers- like personal to someone I kind of just wanted to share my experience and just talk about it on a, on a much broader range that maybe everyone could get something from there's a few books out there that I've read and they kind of inspired me because they kind of helped me massively and I thought oh I could do something on my flavor and mm. maybe that might help someone else you know I'm not I'm not in it to make money you know you know it's just want to get something out there and, it, and again the whole reason I'm doing it for is for Margot to have that because I'm obviously going to be filling with a lot of memories and history of Catherine as well. And it might be something for her to read that she's always got, you know, God yeah. forbid anything happens to me. Oh, I know. The <laughs> but, thing uh, is, but, I yeah. imagine, does that not make you, I mean, God, I've got terrible health anxieties. It is, I think everyone <laughs> who's listening has heard me say that on every single bloody episode of this <laughs> because yeah, yeah. of the people I'm interviewing. But did that affect how you feel as in with your own health? Are you a bit more aware um, of life and death now or? Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of obviously tomorrow's never promised, is it? Now when you when you yeah. go through stuff, you kind of think, you know, I could be dead tomorrow. Like let's just seize the day and crack yeah. on. But um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of Margot asked me this question the other day. She, I was putting her to bed, and she said to me, uh, "Daddy, what happens when you die?" Because we have this, we've been having this conversation about uh, you know life and death. And because she, <laughs> she surprised me one day, there was a, a dead beetle in the in the garden and. She said, oh, what's wrong with that beetle, Daddy? And I said, oh, it's having a sleep. She went, he went, she went don't be silly, it's dead. Oh, and I went, I went, oh, here we go. Like, she's, so we had this conversation now. Anyway, so she said, what happens when you die? And I said, oh, uh, I said, well, can you remember what happened before you were born? She went, no. And I went, well, there's death. That's death for you. You won't know. You'll never know. She went, oh, okay, okay. So 
I kind of I thought, oh, where did that come from? That's a really good from? way to say it. Uh, yeah, so I started thinking about it, and I, and I thought, oh, I don't really fear death because I don't really remember what happened before life, so uh, that's okay, you know. Yeah. So um, it's just the starting end point in it, and everything in the middle is just. Mm you know, playing games, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. Well, my son's the same age as uh, Margo, and he, honestly, mm. he talks about death all the time. I don't know why. Really? <laughs> he keeps saying to me, like, Mommy, are you going to die? I'm like, yeah, I hope not. Yeah, uh, <laughs> for mommy, a long time. <laughs> um, Nana, Nana's very old. Is she going to die? I'm just like, no. And Granddad's very old. Is he going to die? I'm just like, these people aren't even old. Just yeah, leave yeah. me alone. Well, they don't, don't have any, any filter, do they, know, in a monologue? So it's, they just go up to people and say, you're going to die soon. You oh, know. I know. <laughs> well, the other day, we were actually in Morrison's. We were doing a bit of shopping. And this guy came over. Well, actually, to be fair, I'm lying there. Well, it was before lockdown, just to let you know. But um, yeah. this guy came over and he was like, oh, hello, little boy. He said, what's that old dinosaur doing? I thought, oh my <laughs> God, for God's sake. I can't cope Brilliant. with this. It's ridiculous. I know they just come out with anything, don't they? Yeah, but, um, great. They're at a I good, good age. One, good one this morning. Um, Margot jumps into bed and looks at me. And she, I literally just woke up. She's like, you've not brushed your teeth, have you? And I'm like, Margot, come on. She's literally just saying I've got bad breath. And I was like, oh. I've just woken up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, well, my son no filter. Oh, they don't. My son had said to me the other day, I've got orange teeth. So I went and got some teeth. I was like, yeah, I know I've had a lot of coffee, but you know, never mind. I think you're a complexion. I know, exactly, exactly. So Mark, tell us Mm. um, where people can find um, you and also this fabulous charity that you mentioned as well, the group that you mentioned. Um, Yeah, sure. Tell people a bit more about that and then um, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So um, my um, my blog's at no rainbows, no rain, no rainbows dot net. Um, if you want to find out why I called it that, read the blog. Yeah, <laughs> People go, what, yeah, what does that exactly. mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's there's about three or four pages of posts on there. If you you go to page one, obviously, because it starts from the latest post, you can start from the beginning, sort of thing. If you want to learn a bit more about what happened to Catherine, you can go on the about me section. Um, uh, yeah, in terms of widowed and young, if you want looking for more bereavement yes, support, uh, it's just again uh, widowedandyoung.org.uk, um, and you can go in there. You can read up on what the membership status is, how to join, things like that, um, and it's got information on everything about the charity. Um, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. I figured out, you know, within a night what it was all about, where the best places were to go, and. Yeah, and there's people on there as well. When you get in there, you can ask questions straight away. Like, you know, I'm looking for a group on this or trying to find people doing, you know, young adults with, with children or, you know, cancer victims and things like that. Um, wow. so, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's somewhere for, for people to look at. There's all sorts connect. of subgroups, yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds amazing. So, Mark, then, yeah. it's been amazing talking to you. Your journey just is it's so sad but also inspiring how well you've done um like with with your little girl and everything it just it melts my heart it really makes me feel quite emotional um but um I'm just you should be so proud like just being a parent anyone would do the same I reckon you know no but yeah no that's (laughs) no I know but I just it's a it's a really sad story but it's an honor like to speak to you because for um you know a gentleman to open up and you know Mm. in a world where people 
don't as much, especially yeah, as yeah. men. It, it's very important. So hopefully this podcast will be able to hopefully help other people as well. And also raise awareness that, you know, life is today and, you know, yeah. we don't know what's around the corner. So thank you so much. No problem. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you guys did too. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, which I really hope you are, and if you've got this far, why are you still listening if you don't? Um, But I would absolutely love you to subscribe and leave me a little rating. It means the world to me and also helps me out massively, especially when I go to Danny and tell him that I'm going to be doing series two, fingers crossed. So I look forward to speaking to you next week and keep an eye on the Facebook page and Instagram so you know who the next guest is. You will absolutely love it. I know it. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. Being a parent is such a minefield. It's so difficult deciding who to select when it comes to financial advice or family law solicitors. My Bump to Baby works with one trusted financial advisor and one trusted family law solicitor in each town throughout the whole of the UK. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybump2baby.com forward slash family protection legal. We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free? Or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.